Hi, my name is Gracie Jane Jenneru. My definition of, of relentless is the word. It's relentless. You don't give up. You be proud of what you're doing. Uh, yes means, or no means yes to me. Uh, not giving up and being proud of what you do. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Relentless Podcast. I'm your host, Kyle DeBay, and on this episode, we have probably one of the most unique, coolest people I've ever met in my life, and this is a real thrill for me. Uh, if you are local to the Edmonton area, uh, you potentially know who this awesome lady is, especially in the St. Albert area, and if not, um, then you need to check this out on the website uh, that we're going to talk about later and learn more about this very incredible, artistic, creative, unbelievable person, the owner of a place called Gracie Jane's. This is Gracie Jane Jenneru. Thank you for being here, Gracie. It's an honor to be here. Thank you very much. Kyle. It's awesome. You look fantastic. It's, I'm not a morning person, so this was really hard for me. <laughs> well, you're not a morning person because you own a bar. Absolutely. It's 3 o'clock in the morning is my usual time. Yeah. When, when do you normally get home? Five. F- oh, wow. By the t- I live out in Stony Plain out in the bush right. on an acreage, so my drive home is my relaxed time, and yeah. then I get home, I paint for 10, 15 minutes to zone out, Yeah. and uh, then I just... Uh, Sleep for like five, six hours and go back at it. Go back at it. Well, I tell you what, let's get to Gracie Jane's The Bar in a little bit. Let's you and I talk about, and the reason why we brought you on the podcast is I met you years and years and years ago at your your place, but there's also been a little documentary done on you, which we're going to talk about in a bit. And after watching that, I realized more and more that you have lived a life uh, that has had many ups and downs and you have had to be so relentless on your journey to get to sitting here right here today with me and so I want to talk about a bit oh boy I'll tell you it was quite the journey but uh, what I've learned in my life if somebody says no you can't do that I figure out a way to make it a yes yeah. and I don't know how I do it but I just do it I just find a way around to make it work yeah well let's talk about early days where do you come from well i was born in sexsmith up by grand prairie okay in 1951 mm-hmm. and to uh, a polish family my mom and dad both polish immigrants and or second generation no immigrants Immigrants. okay yeah. well 1908 yeah my dad was born in winnipeg mm. and then my mom was born in poland and came across in 1926 okay and uh, settled in Grand Prairie, Sexsmith area, Webster. And uh, they opened up a store. My dad and his parents called Hancherick and Sons. Post office, gas station. They, were, they had the first Model T Ford. Oh, wow. Oh, my dad was a character. Yeah. And my grandfather used to work on the railroad, and he was called Black Jack Andy. Was he on the Northern Alberta Railroad, the yep. NAR? Yep. My grandfather and great-grandfather and my dad worked for the NAR. A lot of good yeah. history there. Yeah, absolutely. A lot of stories. Yeah. And then my other set of grandparents were from Poland also, and they were farmers. Okay. So they, my dad and mom got married when they, my mom was 16. He went to Jesuit college, so he was going to be a priest, and oh. then he met my mom. Well, that so, changed everything. Yeah, 16 and 28. Oh, so wow. back then, that was the thing to do. Yeah, yeah. So I come from a fam- uh, four siblings, a brother and two sisters. And yeah. I'm the baby. You're the baby? Yeah. Okay. So raised in the Sexsmith area? Well, for 10 months. And then my mom oh. my mom left my dad for 10 years because there was too much moonshine in those days. Oh, okay. So she decided to move to Nova Scotia, hmm. where my, uh, my grandfather moved there in 1947. Okay. Because land was cheap, and he found a farm. He lost, my grandmother died when she was 50, and they had 12 children. So my mom helped raise them, and then they all moved to Nelson and all over the place and, you know, grew up fast. And my uh, grandfather brought in a a mail-order bride to help with the younger siblings. And uh, then my step-grandmother she was kind of wicked. Mm. But anyways, uh, what she did is she didn't like Grand Prairie. So 
my grandfather found this farm for a thousand dollars of sixty acres and in, in Nova Scotia in Digby uh, Cornwallis uh, Bear River so my mom went down there to cook for 10 years left my dad high and dry wow and uh, but took all you kids yes yeah. except my brother because he joined the Navy oh okay also there's a big age difference there's 12 years yeah. <laughs> oh wow so he stayed with my dad and joined the Navy yeah and then my oldest <laughs> sister the uh, three of us went down we went across Canada and from on stopped in Ontario, my mom worked for a while, then made her way. So I was just a baby. Yeah. So, anyways, I uh, grew up for almost ten years in Nova Scotia. Yeah, on a fruit farm. Oh wow! You know, Clyde horses, uh, oxen. We shared with the neighbors. Yeah. A lot of hard work, picking yeah. rocks, vegetables. Sure. Speaking Polish, I had to. Yeah. Because uh, my step grandmother didn't speak English, so I learned. Another language yeah. just made me a smarter person. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> but it does if you if you have dual languages or, yeah. or trilingual, like you, that is very very smart. My my kids were in the French immersion program, and it was so interesting to me that they had to learn you know education and I guess life if you will in English and French, and it does make you think differently. It oh, makes absolutely. You look at things differently. Yeah, so yeah. that makes sense. So that helped me in my education. Yeah, yeah. And uh, then my mom and dad got back together 10 years later. Now, how did this happen? We're going to call it 1961, 1962? 61. Okay, so in 1961, how did they get back together? There's no internet. <laughs> there's no FaceTiming. There's no cell phones to call one another. Like, what happened? Your mom just said, well, I'm going to go back to Alberta and see what no, happens. No, no, it wasn't that simple. But okay. There was Morse code almost. Okay. Well, telegrams. Yeah. And we didn't have a phone. Uh, it was one of those cranks that the neighbor had that my grandfather used to use. Okay. We shared. So, I mean, we're talking prehistoric here. But anyways, Absolutely. <laughs> so, uh, my oldest sister, uh, Lucy, she decided she wanted to go live with my dad when she was 15. She wanted to date, but my step-grandmother wouldn't let her. No. So, she said, I'm going to live with my dad. Because she was kind of wicked. Yeah. Yeah. So, she left and went to Edmonton to go live with my dad okay. and my grandparents. And uh, she got pregnant. Mm -hmm. And back then, you had to get married. Not had to, but it was... It was pretty frowned upon. Yeah. yeah. So my mom had to come from Nova Scotia to Edmonton to sign papers oh, okay. for my sister to get legally married at 16 and 17. Because did your parents, were your parents ever legally divorced? No. No, were, so that's no. why she, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So anyways, what happened, uh, my mom and dad met again after mm. 10 years of being, and I always wanted to meet my dad, right? Mm, yeah. So when my parents got back together for my sister's wedding, that was in February, uh, Six months later, my mom and dad said, well, we're or July, they were getting back together in Edmonton. Yeah. So my grandfather sold his farm. My step-grandmother was going to move back to Poland, where she came from. Wow. <laughs> and uh, in that process, my grandfather died. Mm. I know. So anyways, uh, here we are in Edmonton. Uh, I arrived in July of 1961. So I met my dad for the first time, and it was, it was beautiful. Yeah. So, uh, and my sister and a baby niece called Claudette. Hmm. Cookie is her nickname. So that was my adventure moving into Edmonton. And uh, we lived by, uh, by the Transit Hotel. Yeah, yeah. Uh, not far, North Ed. And so went to St. Francis and uh, had an early, uh, like a, it was a Catholic uh, school. So we were brought up a lot of morals and values. Mm-hmm. I got from going to school there, and it was uh, I was an athlete when I was a kid. I loved my sports, and uh, then by what I was what eleven, and then uh, it just we just grew as a family, and yeah. it was awesome. And then when I was thirteen, I I had my son Thomas by accident, well not by choice. Mm -hmm. um, I won't get into the details because no, that's fine. My mom took him on as her own, oh, wow. which was the best thing that ever happened to me. Yeah. And uh, so I was a very young mother, but it was frowned upon back in 1965. If you were, had a child, you were either, well, not a pleasant name. but You can say what you want on here. <laughs> okay. Yeah. But anyways, I, I, was frown I was Carnival Queen when I was 13. Hmm. And the girl that came in second did a petition 
against me because they found out that I was an unwed mother. Mm. And so they, but they didn't win mm. because there were some good people behind me that yeah. let me win. So I got to be carnival so, queen. But, but, but listen, there, there's something about being a young mother. And, and I think when most people think of a young mom, they'll think, and in today's day and time, they'll think, you know, 16, 17, 20. You were 13 years old. Absolutely. So I grew fast. You, you were a child. I was a child with a child. Right. With the best mother in the world that, that watched us grow together. So Thomas wasn't just my child. He was my brother. Mm. He was my best friend. Mm -hmm. he, was my, he was my life. Yeah, yeah. And we grew together. Absolutely. So I what? took Kung Fu for five years. Wow. Frankly, first black. <laughs> First, can I say this? First white student? You're, yes. Girl? If, if that's what you were, first female white student in your class? Yep. There was 12 of us yeah. at the Tegler building. Cool. Cool. Now, so you're, you're a young mom. Your mom is helping raise your son and still raising you. Absolutely. When, because you know what? Maybe I didn't do a good enough introduction. Here's the thing about Gracie Jane that maybe some listeners don't know. An artist... Like beyond creative, and, and if you go to Gracie Jane's bar, it is probably the most unique place that you will ever go and have a drink in. There, thank you. When I say wall to wall, floor to floor art, yeah. it's actually an understatement. It is, it is yeah. unbelievable, <laughs> which we'll we'll get into in a little bit, but. Where did your art journey start? Because, again, this is this it became your life. Absolutely. As well, when I was a young child, I always want. I, I, we never had TV, we never had a phone, we never, you know. But I could hear the radio. My grandfather used to listen to the radio, so mm -hmm. I could hear all this music. And uh, there was Lucille Ball, Jack Benny, all those old beautiful movie stars, and I used to admire, you know, as a child. So I used to have my own little tea parties out in the bush and, and make tea and mud cookies with my sister and pretend that we were movie stars. <laughs> and uh, actually, by the time I was 10, I was drawing on paper, but with pencil, of course. And then by the time I was 12, I used felt pen. Okay. So moving to Edmonton was more, you know, like moving from a, a, a farm community in Nova Scotia, being poor and happy, to a, a, a city where there's cars and, and, and I had long hair. I looked like a little Polish, little immigrant girl, but, yeah. you know, but I had a little bit of a Nova Scotia accent. Mm. So anyways, uh, the kids all thought I was different, but I didn't, I, I liked who I was. And I thought, okay, so what I was doing back then is drawing on my walls at home. My mom was livid, so I felt pen, crayons, and I would do the Beatles I would do religious paintings. I would do, I like the Pope and, and, and uh, Beatles and uh, just all kind of abstract and flowers. Yeah. So that was my style back then, but it was, you know, I got older, I got better. And <laughs> then uh, for grade uh, 12, I wanted to be a commercial artist. Okay. And I thought, and what's that? What do you mean a commercial artist? Like, well, I wanted to be able to sell your stuff or? Like, yes. Okay. Uh, like sign writing, uh, uh, okay. doing posters, yeah. advertising. But back then there was no computer, so we all, it was all. So I had a really good art teacher at St. Joe's I went to for grade 12 yeah. and took commercial art. And, and he took uh, a liking to me because he liked my style. Mm -hmm. And uh, I just, every day I practiced and, and I loved it. But I knew back then that there was no career in art mm. unless you were a sign painter. Sure. So sure. I took sign writing at Nate for six months during my time when I, after I was And working. this is all like late 60s? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And I took drumming lessons at Kung Fu. Uh, I just kept my... I worked at A&W. Oh, I love the When I was 12, I was working at A&W. What did you do at A&W? I was a car hop. Nice. <laughs> For those listeners who don't even know what a car hop is, what is that? Well, you wear your little brown striped pants and yeah. your little cashier thing, and you go from car to car and take an order through the window. Yeah. You, and you uh, go to the front, order it, pick it up, 
bring it to the car. So there was like, you know where Victoria Composite High School yeah. is? Right across the street. That was the A&W I worked and, at. And the way that this worked, because I do remember this, because this was still around in the 70s and maybe the early 80s whenever yeah. I was coming up. Because my folks would take us there as they would come. They had those little change things. Yep. So, and they would give you your change. So whatever, the, if it was, you know, $15 and 12 cents, and then they'd have the little change thing. <laughs> and then they would, you'd have to roll your window down, not all the way, just yep. enough so that they could, they, there was the a contraption down. to put the tray on your window. And then they would pass the food. It was amazing. It really was. And then that was the place where teenagers used to make out. Well, yeah. when I say make out, they would neck. Yes. You know, whatever. And yes. it was like, I love that you called it necking. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> such- and making out. My God, I hear that term now and I think that's going all the way. In my <laughs> life, when I was younger, making out was going all the way. Yeah. But now it's just necking. Now, now it's necking. I love <laughs> necking. I feel like I haven't necked with anybody for a long time. I'm going to ask my wife if we can neck. <laughs> it sounds weird, doesn't it? it but Yeah, but they were, hey. But that was our Some our good turn. necking sections at the old <laughs> A&W. So you're working at A&W, you're doing all this stuff, and your creative juices are just flowing like crazy. You go to Nate, you're taking some stuff. That's later on. But But when did you realize, I'm going to do this for a living? Actually, when I was 19, 18, but I couldn't do it because I had to work. I had to pay my bills. I had a son to help raise with my mom. So I, well, I actually, when I was 17 out of high school, I hitchhiked and went to a concert for a weekend, I thought, but it was four months. Oh, wow. Yeah. Which concert? Uh, Jefferson Airplane. You're gonna, we're gonna have some stories. Oh here. boy, I'll oh, tell you. How good was that concert? It was. Do you un- remember? Oh, absolutely. No, oh, I was okay. a good team. Well, it wasn't bad. It was the late '60s. I racing. only did acid a couple of times. Okay. And marijuana. Well, not that often because I couldn't talk the next day. Okay. And you have to remember, I had to go to school. I had to go come home. I had to work at at Safeway. I worked at Safeway. Nice. Worked at A and W. Yeah. Uh, took comfort. I was so busy, yeah. I didn't have time to get stoned with all my friends. Okay. Okay. And I was the responsible one. I had the car. Oh. So I was the driver. I used yeah. to drive everybody around yeah, yeah, yeah. and go from party to party and just the Corona on 105th Street, okay. Jasper Avenue. Okay. That so you go, you go to this concert. Where was the concert again? In San Francisco. San Francisco, late 60s. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. This oh. is a movie. This oh. is a movie. Oh, it was incredible. But I saw Janis Joplin before I left in Vancouver. Oh, wow. I know. It was the great old days. Oh, my gosh. So you see Janis Joplin. You end up in San Francisco, Jefferson Airplane. Yep. You stayed for four months. I hitchhiked down there. You hitchhiked down there with a friend of yours? Yep. I got offered $2,000 to be a hooker. Oh, jeepers. But, of course, I didn't. No. No. I could tell you no. I could write a book just on that section. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I made it home alive. Okay, yes. And what an experience. Uh, if my daughter hitchhiked, I would turn gray. My mom was just livid. So when I came back. Well, mom must have been pissed because oh, she's, yeah. she's raising your son. Absolutely. And, and I'm gone for four months. Right. So when I come back, well, I did phone her. It was yeah. uh, there was a little old man that we met. His name was Red Walker, and he was like eighty years old. So when you're seventeen, an eighty year old is like really old. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. So, anyways, what he did is he took us under his wing, and uh, he phoned my mom to tell us that you know. So I wanted to go to art school down there, but mm. of course I couldn't. Right. So I, I uh, did an adventure. We went to the grape vineries. We he took us on some things that we got to do that. As a 17-year-old, we wouldn't have done. Sure, you know? sure. So I got to see a lot of San Francisco, and it was amazing yeah, back then. Yeah. But coming back, uh, I came back alive. Yeah. What an adventure hitchhiking is. Yeah, I bet. Even in the 60s. Oh, I we bet. We had some horror stories. Yeah, yeah. So um, when we got back home, my mom said, you either got to get a job, or you're not going to art school, so... I went to, because she worked as a cook at the Sands Hotel. Okay. She got me an in, and uh, I was 18 now, so it was time for me to work in the lounge business, which I've never done, but I was 
working in the hospitality business, Safeway A&W, sure. you know. Sure, And uh, I worked at the Sands Motor Inn in 1969. Wow. And those were the boom years. So I learned the cocktail business. Okay. So I thought to myself, it's going to be my job. I have to learn to love it because I'm not going to be a full-time artist. So what am I going to do? I'm going to be a full-time waitress. So I disciplined myself to love what I do. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. I had to love my job. Sure. So I thought, okay, I have to make myself some rules. Okay. So number one, I didn't date my customers. Okay. Number two, I didn't drink where I worked. Okay. So that's the secret. Makes sense, so. Oh, absolutely. Because if sense. I drank and uh, dated all my customers, I wouldn't be where I am today. Well, it's, it's, that's a, the, you're not mixing the pleasure with the business. I wanted to. Well, of course you did. You were 18 <laughs> years old, yeah. 19, 20, 21 years old. So I worked there for almost... You were probably getting hit on all the time. I actually was, but yeah. I, it was hard to say no, yeah. but I did. Yeah. And I made a lot of money back then, too. Yeah. Well, it was like $1.75 an hour. Right. It was good money sure. back but, then. But they were all the tips, too, right? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. then I moved on. They were uh, Horlack was uh, building the Yellowhead Freeway sure. and put an end to the, the big boys, the, you know, the, the uh, owners of the Yellowhead were uh, Belmont Trucking and okay. Sam from the Forum. and They all yeah. got together and, and built the Yellowhead Hotel in 1973. Yeah. So all of us girls from the Yellowhead or from the Sands went to the Yellowhead Hotel. Okay. Yeah. So that was an experience. How long did you work there for? 17 years. 17 years. They liked me because I didn't drink. Right. Well, because uh, you weren't mixing pleasure with business. Right. Now, all this time you're doing this, you're in the bar business. But I'm still doing my art. But you're still doing your art. Absolutely. And where are you doing all your artwork? I was doing it at home in okay. my basement. I are went, you selling any of it at this time? Or are you doing No, any of that? not no? at this point. Okay. Uh, I, went, uh, I went to Las Vegas when I was 36 for the first time. With a bunch of girls, seven a, of us. For a weekend, and you stayed for four months. And No, no, this, is, <laughs> this was only a weekend. Okay. So anyways, what happened, I saw all these beautiful clothes with glitter and paintings, and I thought, hey, I can do that. Yeah. So I got home, bought myself 20 T-shirts, painted them all up, didn't know what I was doing, because fabric and paint is, you know, you got to iron it. Yeah. There's all kinds of techniques. So I thought, okay, I'm going to do this. Because if I see something, I try and I look at it and I see how I can visually do it. Hands-on is what I like to do. Yeah. So what I did is I went and I took some uh, courses. While I was working at the Yellowhead, I would take two weeks off. I went to Chicago. I went to Los Angeles. I went to Dallas. I went to, like I took these little $5,000 courses mm -hmm. just on fabric. So that helped me to learn so then I had a t-shirt party, hmm. and I sold them all out. And this is while I'm still selling booze, right? Right, right. So, hey, this is kind of cool. And then I thought, my, I couldn't do two jobs full time. So, I, you know, the only way I could do it is by taking two weeks off, because I managed the lounge, and then there was a nightclub downstairs, too. Oh, wow, okay. So at 23 years old, that was a huge responsibility. Yeah, yeah. But they liked me there and kept me for all those years. Yeah. So that's where I met my first husband. Okay. And uh, that was a hard one because I don't date my customers. So how did I do that? Well, the chef was his brother. So we met outside of that. That's right. Uh -huh. He wasn't a customer. There was no, a loophole. Absolutely. A loophole. There has to be. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you, met, you got married. I got married in 1977. And then other kids with your husband? Two. Two. Jessica and Jamie. Okay. Now, although you, that husband. He adopted my oldest son from okay. me. He, that was the way, uh, it was either, like, dating all those years was really hard because here I am, 20 years old, and I've got a son. Like right. most guys say, what? That happens when you're 40. Right. You're dating and, you know, there's children on Sure, board. sure. But I had this at a young age. So yeah. a lot of the boys that I was dating when I was younger, what? You have a son? Yeah. He's number one to me. Yeah. Didn't matter how old I was. It was yeah. He was my number one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I lost a lot of good boyfriends. Yeah, but you know they didn't what? want to be insta-dads, right? Absolutely. Yeah. So uh, I, I met Jacques, and he took on 
my family and I said, well, I can't leave my son with my mom and dad and go off and get married and say goodbye, Tom, goodbye, Mom. Right. He lives with me. Yeah. So Jacques said, okay, and, and Jacques didn't have a family. He was brought up in a convent. His parents died at mm. a young age, so he took on my family yeah. as his own. Yeah. And we had a nice life for a while, and yeah. it was, you know, he adopted Thomas, and yeah. uh, so I had this huge family in one house. So me working, my husband working as a crane operator, we had a, and then my mom and dad, we needed a bigger house, of right, course. Right, right. Because there's no way I was leaving my son behind. Nope. So we lived in this huge house in, in Castle Downs, and it worked. Uh, 17 years were. Mm. And uh, then I had Jessica and Jamie, and uh, then I divorced Jacques uh, oh, it's 30 years ago. Okay. Reason, he, uh, he liked his women. Mm. I couldn't live that lifestyle. No, no. No. So I divorced him and became a single mom yep. with my mom and dad helping me. with yep. my, And then Thomas being the father role to my children, right? which was pretty cool. Yeah. The big brother took on the responsibility. Sure, sure. So. Now we're, we're in the late 80s to early 90s. You are, you're doing your clothing now. I'm at, I, I, I quit the Yellowhead. Okay. I took some time off. But in those years, I did the Fringe Festival for 10 days. Okay. I took time off the Yellowhead to do the fringe and the and art. So, so you'd go there and you'd prepare all your stuff and then you'd sell. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So I would make like three hundred prints of what I of my originals, gel them all up, mat them because the market was like a thirty-five dollar piece sells better than a, a fifteen hundred dollar painting. Right. Right. So I'd have my tent all set up, so I'd have all my originals around me, and a print of each of them. So I would sit outside and do a painting in those 10 days and have it completed by the end of the 10 days. Mm -hmm. And somebody would buy, I had one guy come and buy 11 of my pieces. Oh, wow. That lived in wow. Vancouver. Yeah. But I'd have a lineup at the Fringe for, for me to sign off some prints. Yeah. yeah. So it was pretty cool. And then in 1999, when I was at my, I did a wearable art store in the 80s also. Okay, let's talk about that for a sec. For I'm going ahead of myself. You so. are. So let's talk about that in a sec. So you have a wearable art store, which when I watched the documentary, which I, tell, I suggest everyone should watch this documentary. Yeah. It's so interesting. I loved the footage that they had for the wearable because it was all in the 80s and 90s, which is like my era. What is a wearable arts store, which I found fascinating? Okay, so when I went, I went to Vegas 11 times one year, just, I went to Boulder City, I, I wanted to see the glitz and the glamour and, yeah. and, and the shows, just to get inspired, yeah. and I'm a good organizer when it comes to fashion shows and, and getting bands together and doing things to, to make a show. Yeah, you can coordinate I, things well. Yeah. Yeah. And I wanted to make it fun, so I, I, I went and looked backstage, I, I, I I did a lot of research. Mm -hmm. So I uh, went to Boulder City, uh, and they would have an art uh, art sale of different artists from all over the states doing showing their stuff. So I, it got overwhelming for me. I saw all these T-shirts and dresses and jean jackets. I thought, hey, I can do that. So when I got back home, I started building my wardrobe from my wearable art store, which I didn't have. Okay. So I did a couple of parties, sold some, got some cash flow going. Now, what are you putting on, you say, wearable arts? What are you, you're taking a jean jacket, and what are you doing with it? I'm putting on a cowboy, or, or, or I'm putting flowers, or sequins, or, or people, or what I do with my paintings, I did with clothing. And with your paintings, you love the celebrity stuff. Oh, I love them. You love the Beatles. You love Elvis. You love all the... Music, music, culture. Culture. And like, there's religious things. Yeah. There's Sometimes it's animals or yeah. whatever that is. And now you're taking all this and you're actually putting it onto the clothing. Absolutely. So I had a, a leopard uh, section. I had a, 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 a Rolling Stones and the Beatles section okay. all on clothing. So I just did what I loved. On clothing. Did you ever have to? Sorry, I'm asking this question. <laughs> Did you ever get in trouble from anyone? Like, is that stuff yeah. not trademarked? I almost got sued by the Rolling Stones. Really? I got a letter delivered because. Did you, did you keep that letter? That's I should have. Cool. That would have been cool up in your bar. But in 1992, I 
I went to the Rolling Stones concert when they were here in Edmonton. Yeah. And I had four of my customers ask me to make them a jean jacket. Sure. So, of course, I did all four of them. And I signed it, but I put the lips on the jean jacket. Right. So, Anne Alexander, or who was it? Uh, the Journal did an article on my jean jackets, yeah. and it went to Toronto, all across Canada, in the newspaper. Yeah. So, the Rolling Stones agent saw that article and thought I was making a million dollars with that. With their iconic lip logo. Yeah, but I didn't have it exactly the no, same. No, no. So that was the secret, oh. how I got off. They thought I was making a million, but I only had four jean jackets. Right. I sold them for $150, but I got a whole front page from the journal yeah. of free advertising, which was awesome. Yeah. So I get this uh, letter carrier bring me in this letter that, they're going to be sued. They needed to see all my paperwork, how much money I was making off this Rolling Stones jean jackets. Ooh. So, of course, I showed them all my paperwork. And I, how I beat it, as an artist, you get to do whatever version of what you see. Like, look at the Mona Lisa. She's everywhere. Sure. Different styles, different whatever. Uh, the Vatican, all those beautiful, iconic, religious paintings mm -hmm. there's different versions done so as an artist you see something you do your version of it that's the secret and and that's legal yep and so did you actually have to go to court or it was just no, it was all they, dismissed the lawyer stopped it and okay. dropped it because they saw that it was only four right and you made 150 bucks yeah not millions times four to, okay so oh, that's i did all right, right. that's all right <laughs> So sorry to, to railroad the conversation, but that's it was it, a thought in my head where you're putting all these different iconic people or, or symbols on things. Yeah. But now we know how you could how you could do that and not get in trouble. So you're putting all this stuff on clothes, and you actually opened up a store. Oh yeah, and that was in 1987. Okay, and that wasn't easy, you know. Like I thought, okay, what am I going to do? I'm going to sell painted clothing, ties, t-shirts, jean jackets. So I thought, okay. So I did wedding dress. I did a wedding dress for a lady in, in Palm Springs that was in Edmonton. and what, So I did this flowered wedding dress that took me a couple of months. Then uh, I had an Elvis impersonator that wanted me to do suits. Mm -hmm. So I got to meet some pretty cool characters oh, yeah. in that. How long did you have your store for? Nine years. Not nine years? On 124th Street. Wow. And 107th. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so that's where I did uh, 200 fashion shows. Wow. In those years. Wow. And the biggest one I did was at the Edmonton Inn at the time. And it was in 1992. And how I got 750 people to go to that, it was actually 702 people. Okay. Uh, I had 75 models. Mm. So I thought, how am I going to pay for this room? And so I had CTV was the MC. I yeah. had the fire department, the calendar boys as my models. Yeah. Uh, Bob Nagel and his daughter, and then I had Miss Canada sing. Mm. I had uh, 75 <laughs> models from different ages. From I, I had a dog in the fashion show, the fire department. I had Craig Ellis from the Edmonton Eskimos. Yeah, yeah. So I painted a body. <laughs> I know. But he had a, a little Tarzan, what do you call that, uh, wrap yeah, on. Yeah, so yeah. He, there was no, no nudity. No. Well, people wanted it to be nudity, but of course. I had to have a little bit of class, yeah, right? Yeah. So we painted his body up, and uh, I had wedding dresses, dogs, uh, kids, uh, old, young, uh, skinny, chubby. Sure. What every type of person modeling an outfit to some loud music. Yeah. And it worked. Wow. So they all sold. So what I did, this is the relentless part of me. I had to sell 700 to break even to pay the, the Edmonton Inn for the room, to pay for the bands, and the emceeing, all that. Yeah. So I went on the street two weeks before the show with 10 of my models, my friends that I did outfits for, yeah. and we went bar hopping and sold tickets. So that's oh, how we did. that's like, what's that called? Guerrilla marketing. Absolutely, and that it worked. That was amazing. It worked. So nine years, so you're making money doing this. Absolutely, because, and it was awesome back yeah, then. It's because you're paying for everything. Then what happened? GST. Mm. Killed the market. 
Really? Oh, absolutely. Like, nobody, everybody will eat and they will drink and they'll pay their mortgage, whatever. But who's going to buy a painted tie or an Elvis jean jacket or mm. a wedding dress or jewelry or, or a T-shirt when there's that extra tax going on sure. that we as Albertans weren't used to? Sure. And that was hard. Even Sears almost went under. Yeah. People weren't shopping for four months. So in that four-month period, I remember because I had to pay my rent there, and it was a beautiful little house on a hundred and right across from Crosstown Motors. Yeah, and I had a little corner house there that I rented. It was beautiful, and uh, nobody was coming to buy wearable art, so I had to, I I was pretty sad. So I closed my doors, and uh, I thought, what am I going to do now? So I sat down and I painted a whole bunch of canvas, hmm. and I just did the fringe. I just did art shows but that still wasn't enough to pay my bills so I went back in 1999 to go work at the Sammy's IOB's club as a part-time bartender okay. yeah okay. so that helped pay my bills yeah and uh, I just carried on and just uh, did my fringe and the Relentless Podcast is brought to you by You Can Youth Services, which I am very proud to be a part of. You Can Youth Services is an organization that helps young people move out of harm's way and onto a path of economic independence. If you want to learn more about the incredible work that we do with some very vulnerable young people, please go to www.youcan.ca. That's www.youcan.ca. Okay, so now you're dabbling in both. You oh. are you're doing the, um, you're back in the bar business. You are doing your art, and if I'm not mistaken, so this is uh, uh, early two thousands, and you're going oh along wait, here. I okay. I missed a big part of this. All right. So <laughs> while I was still in my wearable art store till 1995, I uh, had a, a a guy that used to do stretching canvases for me a little guy from newfoundland okay. he's passed away but his name was charlie and he said gracie uh gretzky's retiring and, and and can you paint gretzky and i said are you kidding me like paint gretzky it would be an honor and because uh, he had this art agent come to his um framing store and asked if he knew any artists okay so they came to my my little 124th Street, yeah. and asked me to paint three different paintings of Gretzky okay. retiring. Yeah. So of course I took that on. Yes. And I did it, and they liked it. So now this agent guy gets me, you know, to sign a piece of paper with him that uh, that he would be the ace arc of art, and and I would sign and get 30 percent, whatever. So I thought, okay, now Gretzky and all these famous hockey players that I got to paint, Gordie Howe, Bobby Hall, 18 All-Stars, with this agent that I had. Oh, wow. I was, I just about fainted. Like, you know, to get to paint people of that stature. And so, so yeah, and then this guy, like, went and sold them? Yeah, like, thousands of them. Wow. Now, what happened, I, like, the Cancer Foundation, the all the, like, Gordie Howe didn't sign it unless there was a foundation. Right. Same with Gretzky. They also the agent it had to be for charity. Absolutely. Right. So what the agent did is made me sign that, that I would get thirty percent at the end of all the sales. Okay. So, of course, hey Gretzky, I get to paint Gretzky. Yeah. I'm I'm with this. That's cool. So, um, I I signed the contract with the company, and five years later, after I went to. Uh, to 9-11 to, uh, to the New York, and I painted the Statue of Liberty with a tear. Oh, wow. They made 21,000 prints, 999 Gretzky's, 999 Gordie House, Bobby Hall's, and 18 All-Stars. Yeah. Plus Prince, uh, G. Clay's, everything. Yeah. I got to be the artist. That's very cool. But I never made a penny. No? No. So that's why I got back. Oh, I, well, my agent made it all. He paid everybody except me. See, I don't tell very many people this because it's oh. negative. So what happened, I thought, oh, my God. So a lawyer got on it. I couldn't do it. He owed me $238,000 in sales. Wow. That's how it, wow. it sold out. Yeah. Everything did. So what happened, 
I thought, oh my God, I could have retired sure. in 2001, but instead I had to go back into the cocktail business. Ooh. So here I am. So again. so nothing ever came of it. He, he like he just never paid you, and no. even like legally it was done. It was done because I signed the contract with the company that he bankrupted. Oh, I know. I won't say no names, so no, it, it no, doesn't no. matter. So I thought, you know what? I can still paint. Mm-hmm. So I just carried on, and I thought, okay, I'm like 65 or 60 at the time, and I go back to work in the cocktail business where right. it's the 20 to 40 year old market right so i thought ah i can do it still yeah so i went to the work for the old bastards club which okay. was an army navy air force uh retired guys uh, after the war a term of endearment was hey you old bastard good luck with yeah. your life yeah so it was the australians the canadians the americans and the english okay so see you, you old bastard and they yeah. have this club so I used to manage the club for them at on by uh, O'Leary, you know where uh, St. Joe's is. Yeah, yeah. And then there's uh, Victoria Comp, yeah. and then the Armory's building. That's that's where I worked okay. for them. Okay, very So cool. it was kind of fun, but it was a man's club, a man's world, and here's a woman running their bar for them. Sure. So, uh, but a tough woman. I, I had to. You be. weren't taking shit from nobody. I did though. Yeah. But whatever, it was still a fun job yeah, and yeah. respectful. Yeah. And uh, so I worked with them part-time for 15 years mm. to pay my bills and, and, and still try and paint. So I still kept doing the fringe, yeah. still did the art walk. And then I'm now I'm 64. Right. The old bastards club closes down okay. because the city took over the building. So here I am at 64. I could have been retired, could have, would have. Right. So then I go... I thought, what am I going to do? I'm 64 years old. I don't have a job. How the? I don't even have a pension yet. So I thought, okay, I'm going to open up a bar, but I got nothing to my name. I've got my kids. I've got my son helping me as much as he could. Uh, I'm a single mom. So I thought, okay, what am I going to do? So I sat. We went to every garage sale. And I did a proposal to the bank for a loan for 50000 but they looked at me and said, 64 years old, what's wrong with you opening mm. up a bar in an mm. art gallery? That's not going to work. What's right. wrong with you? I thought, hey, when they said that's not going to work is where I get that extra drive. When somebody says you can't do something, I figure out a way I can. Yeah. So That's the relentless part of you. Absolutely. and that's. Yeah. But it wasn't easy. No. It wasn't easy. So in that time, my son and I, we would go to all the grad sales Go to, and and I, I got a, my bar is from the Cromdale. My my uh, two top bars are from Don Cherry's. Uh, you know all their stuff yeah, that yeah. gets sold. And uh, so I just bought pieces of a bar without having one. So you were literally piecing it together for a year, but you didn't even have a location yet or the money to do it. Okay, or a lease. Right. But I had lots of stock. I had a lot of paintings. Yeah. I so then I thought. How am I going to make money for this year? I don't have a job. I'm not on a pension. So I painted up about 100 wine bottles and did little flea markets and sold my wine bottles okay. just to get some cash flow. Yeah, yeah. And, hey, this is working. So during that year, I thought, okay, so I, I painted 75 chairs, 10 tables. I had my wine bar that I painted, had all the stuff in my garage, overflowing but i don't have the money to do this right what's wrong with me so bank says no okay friends no finally i got a friend of mine molly warring she found a friend that lent me seventeen thousand dollars seventeen thousand yeah i don't know how you open a bar with seventeen thousand dollars very carefully (laughs) (laughs) so okay it was uh, the day I opened, and the number 17, you'll hear it quite often. Because the day I opened, I spent all that. Like, I mean, I had to pay a lease yeah. first and last month. Yeah. I had to have stock. I have to have all my licensing right, in order. Right. I thought, okay, so now I've got $17 left in my account. Wow. And I opened up a bar. And this was in 2015? Yep. Okay. I did it. Wow. So I invited all my old bastards, the people from yeah. the Art Walk, people from the Fringe, 
Well, you have met a ton of people over the years. And also, by the sounds of it, you've always been respectful and kind and sympathetic and empathetic and loving, which means you have all these relationships, people who trust you. Absolutely. People who care about you. People who are going, Gracie's got a bar. I'll go check it out. And they do. Uh, And they did in the beginning, of course, to get it rolling, right? And then four months later... I fell off a ladder putting up a ceiling tile and broke my pelvis bone. And I was walking around like a duck for a month. And my mm-hmm. daughter says, Mom, you better get to the hospital. I, nah, I'll be okay. So they dragged me to the hospital at midnight. And I, oh, you got inflamed arthritis. Okay, so I go back home, back to work. But my hip is getting bigger and my legs are swelling up sure. the house. So back to the hospital a week later. Okay, we're not going to let you go until we find out what's going on. Then they find out it's non-Hodgkin's lymphotic type B. And so I went from two weeks at the St. Albert Hospital to the Cross Hospital for five months. I was going to say, so you've got cancer. So in some ways, as as bad as it is, it's good that you did fall and break it. Yeah, because it was a hidden... That's right. So now, so you're four or five months into running this brand and new bar. And it's working. And it's I working. I paid my loan back. And it's exciting. Going. And this is great. And then boom, you have cancer. I know. So I thought, So when they told me I cried for five minutes, mm-hmm. I thought, if I cry, that's a weakness for me. Sure. So I thought, that's going to bring me down because it's a form of depression. Is, to me, is crying is, means you're sad. I can't be sad because I have too much going on in my life. I have three kids. I have two grandsons. I thought I have a business to run. So I thought, okay, what am I going to do? So every night, well, uh, they told me they gave me three to six months, told me to get my life in order, and I had a 10% chance. Hmm. 10% is better than no percent. Yeah, yeah. So what happened? My daughter took over my bar with no experience. My son took over me. Mm-hmm. He stayed with me the whole journey of the hospital mm-hmm. in his Oilers pajamas. Nice, nice. So he stayed with me in the hospital. Jessica worked my bar, and my youngest son, Jamie, stayed at the acreage and looked after my nine dash hounds. <laughs> I know. I love that you have nine Well, I couldn't hounds. give them up. They were like my children of when course. they were born. Of course. So having an acreage, it was easy. Yeah. And not easy, but... A lot of work, but a lot of love. Absolutely. A lot of love. So anyways, I did five months at the cross. And uh, what I did every night, and this might sound strange, but it worked for me. And every night before I went to bed, I, you know that minute just before you're asleep? Hmm. Uh, I zoned out and I, I zoned in on my on my cancer with my brain thinking. Mm-hmm. So I told my brain to make an army of red and white corpuscles. To, to fight the cancer. So while I was sleeping, what I thought of worked while I was sleeping. I was cancer-free. Like, so I did that every night. So zoning out, telling, like I didn't ask for money. I didn't ask for things. I, did, I just asked for an army of red and white corpuscles mm-hmm. to fight and make an army to kill the cancer. But mm-hmm. you got to zone in on that area. Sure. So it was sure. a mind thing. But they say when you're sleeping, your brain still works. Absolutely, it does, yeah. So I think that had a lot to do with it. Yeah, yeah. Because you were in there for a long time. Five months. Right. Then the best thing that ever happened to me, my niece Cookie sent me a $1,500 ticket to go see the Rolling Stones, Mick Jagger, yeah. Paul McCartney, mm. Bob Dylan. All in one show? In three days, yeah. Oh, it was like a festival. Yeah, and that was six, and I was still getting treatments from my cancer, so I asked my doctor, I said to my oncologist, I says, can I have 10 days off? My niece just bought me a ticket. I don't know if I'm living or dying at this point, but I just knew, because all the treatments, we didn't know if it was working yet. He says, what do you want to go to a concert for us? I want to go see Mick Jagger. And he says, who may I ask is Mick Jagger? And I said, What? That's why you're the oncologist and I'm the patient. <laughs> That's right. So anyways, going to this concert. So he obviously let you go. Yeah, I had 10 days. So wow. I went, spent uh, 10 of the most fabulous days of my life. And I think the music, uh, the icon, like 
Paul McCartney's well, hair and, blowing. And, and, and you are a massive Beatles fan. Oh, absolutely. So seeing Paul McCartney would have been incredible. Well, I was one of those 12-year-olds. Right. When they were on the screen for their first movie, yeah. was sitting in the theater screaming. Yeah. That's what we did. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the era I came. We saw a movie and we all screamed. I like, also love that you have a niece that you call Cookie because this is just so you that you have a niece called Cookie. Oh, a nickname. <laughs> I have a nickname for everybody. I love it. So you go to this concert and it just really rejuvenated you in a Absolutely. lot of ways. Like it was like going, like seeing Paul McCartney's hair blowing in the wind, mm. uh, seeing Bob Dylan mm. with sparkles on his pants. Seeing Mick Jagger doing his do dirty make, dancing. Do Mick Jagger things. Oh, I love it. Yeah. And then there was uh, uh, The Who. Mm. Then there was Roger Waters. Yeah. I mean, it was an amazing... Oh, yeah. and uh, The Moon. Uh, what's that? Uh, I have a brain fart. I don't know. Do you ever get those? No, never. Of course I do. All okay, the time. Okay, but... All the time. The moon. Starting to do the moon. I don't know. Harvest Moon, who sang Neil Young. Oh, Neil Young. Neil Young was there too? Absolutely. That was wow. unbelievable. And when he was singing, the Harvest Moon came up behind oh, wow. him. So things like that. Sure. There was a cloud of smoke sure. uh, at the with 85,000 people that were smoking marijuana. Yeah. And I'm sitting there with my wheelchair and my cane. And yeah. I thought, oh my God, this is, it was, it was healing. Sure. So music. Being positive, being happy, zoning out the negative things in life is my secret. Yeah, yeah. Really it is. Which is incredible. And then being productive. I feel like I have to finish like art project. It, it's my it's my self-healing. It, yeah. it makes me feel good as a person yeah. when I complete something. Sure. And then I can sell it. There is, which is the bonus. Yeah. There is that, that absolute, um, I find that, that if you talk to people about this, I think that, that, that humans have this need to complete things. And it is this incredible feeling of accomplishment that works like mentally, emotionally, physically, all those types of things, which yeah. I think is what you're saying that you do. Oh, it, it, it does. Like, like okay, well, I come home and I've got a product. I, I promised a customer I'd have it done in two weeks. Mm -hmm. So I... I I make myself work 16 hours a day in the bar and then I have to come home. And So Sundays and Mondays are my two days off. Yeah. So those are the days that I, I try and complete or else I bring it to work with me and finish it when, in between customers. You've had a lot of things in your life, um, uh, ups and downs, like we said. You've had to be relentless. You've had to really uh, put your head down and move forward, but in that really trying to have that positive outlook on things. Um, if you're okay, we did talk about it before, but we'll, we'll talk about it. Uh, some tragedy. You've had tragedy in your life, but Lots, the, the, yeah. the, the biggest tragedy of your was life. My son, of course. Mm -hmm. uh, I'll never get over that, but I feel like he, like I still think of him as he's coming home. Mm. If you can, I don't know, does that make sense? Like It does, it uh, does. And I think that, I, I, sorry to interrupt you, but, but essentially in, in, you lost your son in 2019. Yeah. Hardest thing I ever lost in my life. And mm -hmm. there's nothing in this world like you. I could get, uh, how can I say? When you lose a child, there's nothing in this world that could be worse to hurt you as a person. You know, like uh, there's nothing no. that, that I, somebody could stab me and I could say, eh. Mm. I know. You know, you know my story. And, and, and it's, I agree uh, with you. Absolutely. So what you do is you have you ha uh, have to carry on. I have to be positive, and I think of all the wonderful things that my son brought to me mm -hmm. as a human. Mm -hmm. I got to be his mother, and and he taught me how to be a parent. Mm -hmm. He taught me how to be a friend. Mm -hmm. I grew with my child, like we all do when we're parenting. Mm -hmm. We're not born parents. No. We learn, and I was very lucky to have a beautiful son that. I got to learn and he wasn't the perfect child and I wasn't the perfect mother but you know what that's how we learn yeah and we get better every day at it you love each other absolutely yeah you know your story with your son and and just your whole story is it is a beautiful story it's um you know I think if 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 you ever get an opportunity to go to Gracie Jane's just go because it's 
it's not a bar and it's not um, like an art show. It's an experience. That's what it is. Absolutely. And the beauty of this place is that you literally, and it's not a big place. It's not a big place, but you feel big love there. So it's not just about going and getting hammered and dancing and listening. Cause, and there's also usually live music. It's amazing music that you have in there. But it really is this experience that just, I don't know, every time I've been there, I've had a blast. And I feel good, which I, I think is the point of it, right? Ap- the colors, yeah. the paintings, that none of them are sad. They're all happy colors. The reds and the golds, the diamonds have something to do with it, and the yeah. crystals and yeah. the energy and yeah. the people. The people, the which people. I was going to mention, is that the beauty of this place is that it is all walks of life. You know what we're trying to do on the podcast? We're trying to bring all walks of life on here to tell their stories and to talk about how they've been relentless in their lives to get them to where they are, or relentless in their lives to deal with what they've had to deal with. Your bar is exactly that it is just a variety of different people how do you say it from from a dishwasher to the mayor right it it, it doesn't matter if you're a like i have like i have some staples there like i have heather and judy and linda and and glenn and gwen and and all these wonderful people that dress up like my paintings and they wear glitter and they have fun and they wear painted clothing and when you walk in the room and you see them there, they set the pace. So yeah. I should actually pay them to, to Maybe. be, you know what I mean? They're influencers. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so anyways, but every walk of life is, is what I, who I am. Like we're all not, we're all equals in my yeah. department. Yeah. I look at people, whether they're bicycle Larry, which is one of my regulars to our wonderful mayor in St. Albert. Like, yeah. She comes in and she gets to sit on her own chair. Sure. I've got Bicycle Larry. Like, we're either poor or rich or me. We're all equals. Yeah. And we're people. And, and that's what your establishment is all about. Absolutely. And people right. can feel it in there. And it is, like I said earlier, wall to wall, floor to ceiling, artwork, unique, beautiful. Some of it I look at and I go, I don't get it, but that's because I'm not an artist. But, and some of it I'm like, oh man, that's, I'm sitting on whatever, Elvis Presley's face right now. Like it's hilarious to me. Or Clint Eastwood. Or Clint Eastwood or James Dean or, you know, do you have any Bono stuff from U2? Any bottles? Bo- Bono from U2? No. Oh, okay. Well, we'll. Can, maybe I should start. Maybe. I don't. Uh, listen, I don't I've want to. I don't want to influence anything here. But you just did. Uh, there you go. Because, you know, you two from Ireland. Oh, I love them. That's my favorite. Oh. So maybe a Bono piece would be cool. That would be pretty. And a Vaz. Yes. Because this is the coolest part of your place. It, when people think of artwork, they think, oh, it's a picture on the wall. You literally turn anything into a piece of art. Into a piece of art. And usually Anything. it's a uh, an old chair, a wine bottle that's it's all recycled. Right. Things. And I get some of my ladies' friends to bring in all their old broken down jewelry. Right. I've got boxes and bags of jewelry that I tear apart. I tear apart CDs to put in my art. Right. And you do shoes. You shoes, do everything. Hats, uh, yeah. Bottles. Uh, the weirdest thing I ever got to paint in my life was a tooth. Oh. I had a a guy that had. Dalmatians, and he had an artificial tooth, and he wanted a Dalmatian. And I thought, how the heck am I going to paint a Dalmatian on a tooth? Yeah. Like it's like this big. So they gave me all the instruments and the big goggles, and so I could see it. And I painted a Dalmatian on a guy's tooth. Wow! Fifteen years ago. That's amazing. That's the weirdest order. Yeah, yeah, that's a bit different. So this is this is what I'm thinking is that we need to to get people to watch this documentary because it really is cool. Uh, Road 55, who produces all my stuff as well, they're the ones that produce this. Aren't they awesome? They're awesome. And and Robbie Lalsher and his crew. You know, I watched it and, and it was just so intriguing to me. Um, the, 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 were, the whole thing was intriguing. And we're running out of time so we can't get into it too hard. But I think that they could have done an entire documentary 
on your house alone? Oh my God, it's cleaned up now because I have a I have a studio now. Oh yeah, I saw that the the, the studio was kind of getting built and yeah. set up in the documentary. But I'm telling you, the yard, the house is as unique as anything I've ever seen. I would, and I, I'm inviting myself over. I would love to sit and just, I love to drink tea. Just have a tea in the backyard there. A thousand and flowers. Just, and I, my mom was a florist and I love oh, flowers. And too. so it is so unique and it looks beautiful and just recycled and awesome and I honestly think that they could have done an hour-long documentary just rustic. on your place. Yeah. Very rustic. It's amazing. I have old barn doors for my gate. I have a bed frame for a gate. It's amazing. Uh, styrofoam for rocks on my walls in the outside. But just but just what you've done with so many things, and like it's the same as the bar, right? When people walk in, they're just going to be blown away at this. Well, I work with, with things that are recycled mm -hmm. and make them brand new well you but you also just take everyday things that we use and make them unique that's my specialty which that's, is cool i try to when you're brought up the way i was we were poor and back in the 50s and 60s yeah. you you learned to to use things properly and, and not properly but wisely efficiently yeah yeah, yeah. so i thought okay <clears throat> what can i do with this stick well okay i can put this stick in the garden and make it with flowers around a little example or uh, rocks and and rhinestones mm -hmm. and there's a, there's a home for all of them old uh broken down chairs well they can become a piece of art for me yeah you know yeah so i like recycling well i think it's amazing and i i really just do believe that that if you can go to your to your bar, that people will have this very unique, incredible experience. They'll meet people from that, every walk. From every walk, um, they'll see you literally slinging drinks to talking to people to whatever. Um, it walking around, explaining your artwork. Yeah. You know, I well, love I always it. I always thought, okay, if you're going to run a business, don't let everybody else do it. You have to do it yourself, even yeah. the windows, the bathrooms, yeah. the floor. You have to get in there and work it. Yeah. Otherwise, it won't work. I love it. I think it's amazing. Um, we, we're we going to end this pretty quick. We do a thing called the Relentless Quiz. Okay. And this is going to determine how relentless you are, but I already know how relentless you are. Um, but one thing that we talked about outside was when you walked up and you really liked my hoodie. I do. So I'm going to get you a hoodie. And uh, then I'm going to paint it. Yes. But, what <laughs> I, but So I'm going to give you your own to do, but then I'm going to give you one for, for us that you can use services. And I want you to paint it and do whatever you want to do with it. And, and so we can have that as a keepsake. Yeah. So I will get those over to your place in the very, very near future. And uh, and then we do our little docu-series, so I'll make sure we do a little something on it. Or we'll, Is it we'll, going to be white or black? It's We got uh, black or we've got gray, or I've actually got crewnecks. Cool. Uh, I've got a blue one. Uh, I don't know. I'm colorblind. So <laughs> we'll it. figure it out. Listen, let's do this, this quiz. Um, are you ready? Are you good on quizzes and tests? Well, it depends. Okay. Don't be nervous, Gracie. Okay. Oh, and we never did. We, remember, we didn't talk about the cup. You're going to take one of these cups, and you might want to love it. Yeah. So I'll even give you a couple of these, and that is uh, 17 year old Kyle Dubay. Wow. This, you know what this is? This is in the era of you having your store. Because, it looks like a Burt Reynolds. Oh, get would you? I feel like you're hitting on me, and I know you're oh, married again, and my beautiful. wife. Beautiful. I love it. He's handsome, isn't he? Oh, he my had hair. God. Thinner. That pose is perfect. It's perfect. <laughs> oh, this Maybe is you beautiful. could do a painting of that. I would love to. I would love that too. I could do as long as I can see the eyes, I can do everything. Yeah. Everything else comes. I remember to that me. from the documentary. You said it's all about the eyes. It is. Yeah, yeah. I'll get you a bigger we've This got, is beautiful. Got Thank size you. <laughs> You're welcome. Okay, let's do this quiz. And it says relentless on and that's what I like. Mm -hmm. Okay, here's the quiz, Gracie. This is what we're gonna end on. Okay. Fruits or vegetables? Fruit. Okay. City or countryside? Country. I knew you were going to say that. Dirty bathroom or dirty kitchen? Dirty kitchen. Okay. Sal <laughs> <laughs> salty or sweet? Sweet. Okay. 
Morning or night? Night. I knew you were going to say that too. Favorite comedy movie of all time? Laughing. Okay. I like it. Just so, so everyone knows that, like, that's a show from. Yeah. 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 Um, big party or small gathering? People. So you want a big party? Yeah. Nice. Phone in the bathroom or no phone in the bathroom? No phone. Okay. I believe you. I just got a cell phone five years ago. So that was the first time ever? Yeah. I know I'm old. No, I think what it is, listen, there's people that are your age that have cell phones. I think you're like, what do I need a cell phone for? Yeah. Yeah. I want to talk to you. I don't want to. Do you like having a cell phone now? No. It's annoying. It's annoying. Yeah. Yeah, because people can find you anywhere. It's like Morse code. Right. The heck. Yeah. I want to talk to you. Yeah, I agree. I agree. We need to have more conversations. That's what's missing. Less of these apps. Yeah, my dad showed me Morse code. What the heck? That's what we're doing now. Yeah. No, I agree. Um, Favorite love song of all time? Well, that's a hard one. Beatles, I like Hey Jude and Mm. Love, Love Me Not and Mm. I Love You. I I love it all. There's no favorite for me. I like it all. I love that. Two more questions left. Cake or pie? Pie. Okay. Last question. Describe your relentless podcast experience in four words. For today? Yeah. What was your experience like in four words? It was an honor to be here. I love it. It was an honor to have you. And I'm thankful that we did this. Like I said, I've met you a couple few times before, but never sat down and had this kind of a concentrated conversation with you. This is what I'll say. You are an extraordinary human being. You really are. You are the definition of lovely. And I really think that what you've brought to my community that I live in, but what you've brought to the world in general is so needed. It's been needed your entire life. But when I think of 2023 and the divisiveness of our world, you just want to bring people together, let them love one another, let them have a great experience together. And I'm thankful for that. And love them for who they are. That's right. So thank you for teaching us how to be that. And thank you for being an example to us on how to be that. I'm so thankful that you were here. Wow. Thank you very much. That was, this was kind of fun. I hope it was. It was fun for me. Absolutely fun. Okay. Thanks, Gracie. I'm glad you came by. Do you want to wear my hat now? Yes. I think that's a good idea. This series is proudly produced by the team at Road 55. Road 55 creates content that connects. For more information, check our website, www.road55.ca.